You are listening to A Podcast, the podcast that is dedicated to addressing global social trends and issues through unscripted and candid conversations. And I am April Patterson, creator and host of A Podcast. Special thanks to my friend Terrell Brown at terrellbrown.com for the music. So sit back and relax and listen to me as I get to the root of it. On today's show, I want to introduce Jen Kenny. Jen is a writer, a podcaster, and an anti-racism activist. After living abroad in Shanghai, China with her husband and children for years, she returned to a country that felt more divided than ever. Since then, she has become a passionate advocate for building bridges through brave and difficult conversations and an advocate for the everyday person's power to create change in the world. She is the host of Speaking of Racism podcast, as well as Food for Thought dinner parties. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited. I know. This is so cool. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on, which is actually episode two of season one of a podcast. So I am just absolutely thrilled to have you on and I can't wait to dive in and get to the root of it. Why don't we just kick things off? How long have you been podcasting? Let's start there. Yeah, so I've been podcasting a little over a year and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to admit the fact that I'm a complete hack, but (laughs) I am the person, I like to say that if I can do it, anybody can do it. Because seriously, when I decided to start podcasting, I didn't even really listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. I decided one day I'm going to start a podcast. And within an hour, I downloaded an app. Mm-hmm. That shall not be named because it was horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, and and I started recording. And since then, things have really taken off quite a bit. You know, initially, I'm, you know, basically like the stay at home mom who's crouched in her closet. I homeschool my kids. My kids are outside yelling and screaming. The dog is barking. You know, all this craziness is going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to start a podcast and, you know, we'll see how this goes. Clearly, I'm not the engineer in the family. <laughs> Um, but I am a doer. Right. And so I did, okay. you know, so, so then as the podcast went on, I realized I was at this place where, you know, a number of friends were really encouraging me in my work and what I was doing. And I had, you know, like 50 or 60 listens per episode. And I was excited about that wow. because I'm like, why would anybody want to listen to me? Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. then it got to a point where I realized I needed to change things a bit. My mm-hmm. platform was growing. I needed to start inviting people into conversations and I had been meeting a ton of people. Mm -hmm. And finally, I really felt like I had a place to start with a new name, invite people into dialogue, highlight my guests versus myself speaking. And that's how Speaking of Racism started at the beginning of this year. So January of 2019 is when when we kind of kicked that off. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So, okay, about eight months. And I'm sure you've been enjoying it. Like podcasting, I actually, I say to myself, why wasn't I doing this a while ago? But it's because it wasn't time. I'm a firm believer that God knows the perfect time for when you should be doing everything. And so one of the things that I really enjoyed um, when I came across your podcast, just kind of browsing to see what's out there because I'll be addressing controversial topics. And obviously racism is a hot topic. Well, it's never not been a hot topic, actually. But (laughs) when I came across your podcast, I've just been intrigued. 
hard to meet white people that want to talk about racism. And listening to sure. the way that you approach, your approach is very gentle and delicate and it's genuine. So that's something that I will forever be a listener, will always be. I appreciate yeah. that. You're welcome. You're welcome. So why don't we just dive in and, you know, for the sake of trying to give people some of your background and your journey from friends sure. and your family and um, just your world and how is it received? What are the pros and the cons? What have you been experiencing? with your journey? Yeah. So on my journey, it's interesting because I just had an opportunity to co-author a book with a friend mm. and I was given a chapter to talk about my experience in anti-racism. Mm -hmm. And so I started looking back actually over my life and, and going back to, I'm 43 now, but going back to when I was three and when my family moved out to the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. and, and just like, when did I become racially aware and what political ideas did I hold and what ideas about people did I hold and what exposure did I even have to people who didn't look like mm -hmm. me, people of other ethnicities and races. And it was really interesting to to be able to go back through that very intentionally. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot about myself in that process. But I would say, like, you know, the term now that we use anti-racist, sure. right? It's a fairly new term. Mm -hmm that we have. Right. And if you had asked me if I was an anti-racist back when I was a teenager, I would have told you yes, mm -hmm. because I really believed that I was an anti-racist back mm -hmm. then. But I held on to a lot of very racist ideas about, you know, being colorblind and just different political ideas and things like that. And I didn't understand uh, unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. and, and there were so many things mm -hmm. to unpack from mm -hmm. that. But for me, my journey really started after I lived abroad. So my husband and I moved to China and we lived abroad there for about five okay. years. When we came back to the U.S., it was 2011 and uh, it was the second uh, round of elections with uh, President Obama mm -hmm. and he, he hadn't been voted in mm -hmm. yet. Um, but I realized like the world seemed, you know, the world that I reentered, the country I reentered seemed very divided. Sure. And Social media was pretty new to me, having lived in China and been uh, sort of uh, blocked from a lot of social media exposure. You know, Facebook and all of this was very new uh -huh. to me uh -huh. in 2011. So um, I decided that I wanted to kind of figure out, like, what's going on here? Why are people so divided? What are the conversations people are having? Right. And through social media, I was able to peer into that to greater detail than really ever before, okay, right? Yeah. Because how often do you get to go on a platform and see your 50 closest friends and their opinions on 500 different things, right? right? Blessing and curse, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and so so I decided to start these dinner parties, the Food for Thought dinner parties, and I just got really interested in conversations huh. and how do we dialogue okay. and how do we do it well with people we don't agree right. with, you know, and just digging into all of these right. things. And so then if we fast forward to um, when Trayvon Martin was killed. Okay. But so in 2012, Trayvon Martin was mm. killed. And... I was a fairly new mom at this point. Mm -hmm. I was stuck home a lot. You know, my connection to people was through the internet. Right. And because I was really interested in all of these dialogues, I was really mm -hmm. digging into this. Okay. And what I began to see is there was a very different experience 
that Black America had and a very different experience that White America had. Mm -hmm. And those two experiences clashed in comment sections surrounding mm -hmm. this and in how people saw what happened. Sure. And I started to realize, like, whoa, mm -hmm. something's very different here than mm -hmm. I understand. There's far more to this. Mm -hmm. And so that really opened me up into learning more. And then we had Ferguson. Mm -hmm. We had Mike Brown, and, and it was just person after person after person, mm -hmm. right? And then Black Lives Matter comes uh, to the forefront. So there are all of these conversations. And for me, I just felt like I can't be silent anymore. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I knew as a white woman, I needed to be silent because I didn't really know mm -hmm. what I was speaking to. And so I took a lot of time to listen mm -hmm. and learn and reflect and lament. Mm. And then I went to an event. And this event is kind of what changed my life in terms of activating me very, uh, in a very tangible wow. way. And that event was called Get Your People. Mm. And I was invited to it because a friend of mine uh, who knew I was passionate about anti-racism work said, hey, there's an event going on. The Detroit Equity Lab is hosting it. It's called Get Your People. Mm -hmm. I didn't even understand what Get Your People meant at this mm -hmm. point. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. But I'm like, okay, I, I want to go. This is exciting. I'm in Detroit. I walk in and I'm surrounded by white mm -hmm. people. And I'm just like, what have I stepped into mm -hmm, here? Like, mm -hmm. is this the, the well-meaning, well-intentioned, you know, NPR listening white progressives? Like, am I in the wrong right. place? You know, and I had this attitude mm -hmm. and I learned very quickly that the attitude that I had was really wrong. And I started to learn about and understand then the role that I needed to play and that other white people needed to play in having these very important conversations around race and racism in the country. And so there were a couple of panelists and they said, look, we're tired. We're done bearing this burden on our own. And we are asking that allies move from a passive position into an active position. And, and we're inviting people to mm -hmm. become co-conspirators. And so that night I went home and I started my idea for my next food for thought dinner party, which was mm -hmm. a get your people type event. And that is how mm -hmm. I started. Wow. That's pretty impressive. And I say that because, you know, for having the courage as a white person and a white woman to take on such a huge task. I'm a firm believer that as black people, we can't do it alone. We definitely, we need allies. Mm -hmm. Like we, we just do. And so, so how did you, you know, like your friend groups and your family, like right now, your kids, like this is a big deal. This is a big deal. It's a big right. task. Like, I mean, do you have a lot of black friends? Like, what does it look like for you? And, and are you comfortable in your skin? Like, being where you are right now, you know, and what does that look like? Like, how do you go about your day and what are people saying and what are some of the naysayers? Like, are you enduring any backlash from that or what is it like? Yeah. So let's start with um, just us mm -hmm. moving into Detroit. So mm -hmm. my white family moved into, uh, I believe that Detroit is considered the blackest city in the United States, I think at about 85% mm -hmm. of the population. Um, 
and did so rather arrogantly, to be honest, and, mm-hmm. and just kind of cluelessly in the beginning. We're like, hey, you know, kumbaya, we're just going right. to move wherever and live wherever. And at that point, I didn't really have an understanding mm-hmm. of how my presence as a white person mm-hmm. would impact my neighbors, mm-hmm. uh, particularly my black neighbors. And mm-hmm. as I began to learn about policing, in the different experience between the right. white community and the black community with policing, I started to have mm-hmm. this awakening of like, oh my gosh, right. like what have I, what have I stepped into? Like, I want to oh, wear a shirt yeah. that says, I won't huh. call the police on you, you know, because right around this time, yeah. there were all of these incidents, right, of like mm-hmm. the woman calling the family barbecuing. And then you've got the woman calling mm-hmm. on the guy who's going into his apartment. And then you've mm-hmm. got and It's just like situation after situation. And I completely shifted the way that I looked at policing. And I actually felt really bad. So in, I lived in a city before this and I had called the police on my neighbors before because their dog was barking and they were annoying and you know, whatever. And I lived at this point in this predominantly white city. And as a white person, I just used the police as an extension of my power. That's just what we do, you know? And so, so I moved in here and I remember when, um, one of my neighbor's lights was misfiring and and she lives on the corner and, but it was this really rhythmic Mm -hmm. firing. And so I thought maybe she needs help and Mm -hmm. it was light going on and off and on and off. And so I'm like, I'm going to call the police and make them have them come out and check on her because maybe something has happened to her, you know, but then I start to learn and, and I I kind of regret that. I mean, now because I realize oh, her light yeah. literally just misfires all the time. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, nothing negative mm-hmm. happened as a result of that, but it yep. could have. And they and like, see, there, there we go. Police, <laughs> here <right>? she is. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was something that I really had to learn about and grapple with and, um, and just ask myself, like, Why did I feel entitled to move into this neighborhood Mm -hmm. and what ideas did I hold on to and whatnot? But as I, as I began to get to know my neighbors and also just develop friendships with friends. So you had asked, like, do you have any black friends? I do. I have quite a few and they are ride or die friends too, which I think is really important. Right. You know, it's like people who I'm going to. I'm going to say, hey, can you pray for me today because Mm -hmm. this is going on or let's go for brunch or what's going on with you checking in, you know, and to me, that is Mm -hmm. so important and so uh, just invaluable. What are your black friends look like? Are they, is it a a mixture? Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're predominantly middle-class like myself. Uh, The neighborhood that I live in is middle to upper class. And I believe I read, like, statistically speaking, the majority of people in okay. our neighborhood hold a bachelor's degree or mm-hmm. higher. So they're they're more educated than I am. Um, yeah. So it's interesting because I realized that mm-hmm. prior to the church that I've been attending, um, I've always attended a, 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 spa- a worship okay. space where everybody is kind of middle class or upper class. And... This was the first church that I went into, but actually racially speaking, there are more white people and poor white people 
as well as um, mm-hmm. several other ethnicities. And that's been really interesting because I realize like there is this level yep. of sheltering mm-hmm. that happens mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. within like income groups and stuff. So that's been really, I feel like yeah. that's been really healthy and really yeah. spiritually yeah. nourishing in a sense, yeah. because I'm with people daily wow. who don't know if their bills can be paid. They don't know if they're going to be able to, you know, like pay their electricity yeah. and their concerns are very real. You know, I've been in situations where I'm a middle-class individual, but I lost my job. And so I found myself in Naperville, Illinois, going to Naperville Cares just, you know, because I didn't have the means to, um, you know, pay my rent. You know, it was either I pay my rent or I feed my kids. And so, yeah, yeah. so I needed help. And I was, you know, I wasn't living above my means right. when I got laid off, but I also was not doing what I needed to do to balance my money to have a savings that was hefty enough to carry me over. So long story short, I ended up at this um, facility, right. Naperville Cares, and I don't mind saying it, but my because my experience there was it was a mixture of I just need to um, get the help, but it was a humbling experience because I had to answer all of these questions that, you know, it was like, they aren't prying. They just want to make sure you need the funds. And so, you know, um, I was right. Not that I think the, 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 uh, inner, the person interviewing me, not intentionally, I don't think they meant to make me feel a certain kind of way, but it was a white, per, a white lady. And here I am, a black lady, you know, and I feel as though, you know, I'm at, mm-hmm. I'm, I don't have a formal degree, but I'm educated, right? So, and I have a career. And so I just felt right. really just like, wow, how quickly the tables can turn. And so I say all that to say, you know, you just don't know what a person's, you know, what the story is, but I think it doesn't matter the story. Everybody is a human being and you should just treat everyone as humans. And so when I came across your podcast and I just, you know, I was drawn to you, I've listened to, you know, several, but you were the one that I was drawn to because you want to learn and you approach it with a very humble approach and you ask the right questions. What would you say then is your direction like you're going in? Do you foresee yourself kind of like I know you say you're an activist, but in what does that look like? You're you're an activist and like are you in the community? How, how what does that look like or is it just kind of a title or you know for you? Or- yeah, so that's a that's a good question. So for me I'm not sure where this is going. You know, I'm not sure where the podcast is going. Mm-hmm. I really feel like it was something that was placed in my lap and it was an opportunity before me and I took it and I felt very divinely connected mm-hmm. to people. I mean, it is so cool how many people I have met and connected with and had these conversations with. And I mm-hmm. absolutely love doing this podcast. Um, but I am a mother and I do homeschool my children. Mm -hmm. And so I have to find a balance in that. Right. And I'm not Mm -hmm. able to do nearly as much as I would like to 
but sure. I'm still, you know, like for me, I, I have to prioritize. And so I'm best used at mm-hmm. this point in these conversations and in the podcasting Got it. and creating this community on Instagram and connecting people to, you know, other like connecting people to teachers. Cause mm-hmm. one thing that I want to be really clear about is and I'm mm-hmm. not an educator and I will not monetize my space. And so this is one of those things, like when I first started the podcast, I was doing it for a couple of months and I had to finally hop on and be like, um, hey guys, just in case <laughs> yeah. you don't know, uh, I'm a white yeah. woman. <laughs> you know, like, hello, my name's Jen, you know, elephant in the room. Let's talk about this. Yeah. And I want to be clear, yeah. like, I'm not a Rachel Cargill. I'm not trying to mm-hmm. be, I'm not, you know, like I'm not somebody yeah. who's putting mm-hmm. myself out there as an educator. And it's not my position to do that. And it's not my goal because I'll tell you when I see white people Mm -hmm. in spaces like Mm this, I'm like, what are you Mm -hmm. up to? And are you monetizing? Because if you're monetizing off this, I'm sorry, that just doesn't sit right with me. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I'm trying to focus on a couple of things. Mm -hmm. Um, First and foremost is my own internal work. So I think, you know, one of the things you were Mm -hmm. saying is, that you sense like a, a genuineness yeah. in me, right? And and for me, I'm just kind of like, hey, here's me. I'm a 42-year-old mm-hmm. white woman who grew up in predominantly white spaces all mm-hmm. of my life. And I'm going to be learning with you. And, and the best mm-hmm. way I can do that is just by being honest, transparent, and modeling. Sure. And so sometimes that means I'm going to model screwing up. I'm going to mm-hmm. say something or I'm going to allow something like to what? happen in my what? space. What happened? Like I just had something the other day happen. So, so I had a two part series that I put out. And mm-hmm. when I put out my podcast series, since you follow me, you know, what I do is I'll take quotes from mm-hmm. the interviews and every day I'll put those out all week to kind of get people thinking and, and interested in the podcast and whatever. Oh. And this guy hopped on and he just went on a tirade about something and a couple of people engaged and then I engaged. Uh And usually with trolls, they stop engaging or they escalate so quickly that you cut them off and you prevent them from coming on. But what I ended up doing is I entertained a conversation with him on my public space for far too long. And, and by far too long, I mean, maybe about 10 minutes, but it literally only took 10 minutes. And it was like, my ego was involved. Hmm. I wanted to take him to task and argue with him. And what I realized, because my space is a space for all people, is that our conversation was very triggering to a number of people of color on the page. Yeah. And so the way I approach things in conversation, like on my private pages, I am like, here's the thing. We're all adults. Let's have conversations. I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to police them, you know, unless somebody gets Mm -hmm. out of control with being really rude and disrespectful to somebody and calling them names. I just, I don't, I don't want to get involved in that. Right. And I kind of had that mentality, but what I realized Mm -hmm. is I have this space now and there is this responsibility. And what I essentially Mm -hmm. did was, allowed this guy to do what he did and causing harm to others. So I actually reached out to my friend who did the podcast with me and I was like, Hey, Tina, I need your thoughts on this. Cause she mm-hmm. deals with this a lot. 
um, what should I do and how should I approach this? And, and she gave me really good advice. She said, you can let him have like his comment and then go back to him with, you know, your comment and mm -hmm. countering and saying, and if you mm -hmm. want to continue this conversation anymore, mm -hmm. meet me in the DMs and then we can have the conversation mm -hmm. in the DMs. And then that way, if he continues sure. on or she or whoever comes on, then can cut them off. So, so that mm -hmm. was something mm -hmm. for me that I right. learned and that I could model um hopefully to people sure um, so so yeah so that's just yeah. an example of like hey i'm gonna make mistakes mm -hmm. i'm not here to collect my pearls and pretend everything's okay yeah exactly so yeah then the other thing with my kids you were asking about my kids a bit so so number one is working on me internally right. number two is then mm -hmm. how does that impact my family how does that impact my husband mm -hmm. my children and then my immediate circle and so for my kids, particularly with homeschooling, I they're going to be like, and <laughs> colonizer. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> man, oh my that's deep. Okay. I'm not. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm yeah. not kidding. I was like, I'm walking around. I'm in this like mm -hmm. tirade one day in my dining room and I'm walking around. I'm like, all right, boys. The word of the day yeah. is colonizer. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah. if people yeah. were watching me, they'd know I was crazy. No, but this is me. So, so yeah, so mm -hmm. I found a curriculum. And the cool thing about homeschooling is you learn along with your kids. And so I okay. have been able to parallel learn with them, which has been really powerful as well. Mm -hmm. Because as a white person stepping into yeah. this work, you start to learn Man. how little oh, you indeed. know. Oh. And how whitewashed like, your history has been. I did not know, been, and, and how, this is horrible. Oh, I didn't know right? that there were three women, I'm hidden figures. Have you seen the show? The movie. Like, mm -hmm. I didn't know about that. Like, that is something that, oh, it's yeah. our black history. And, you know, man, so you, right. okay, so sorry, I cut you off, but go ahead. Yeah. Man. Listen, the fact that you are interested, no, are you introducing good. your children to like black history? Like, you know, wow, what does that look like? And are they looking at you like you have three eyes? Like, oh, I mean, yeah. what? Oh, yeah. No, huh. so, no, 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 okay. no, no, because it's uh -huh. a natural part of our life. Okay. It's a natural part of our history. It's a natural part of okay. our conversations. So last year we focused on medieval history. And the thing that was really important to me is that I didn't teach my children mm. about black history through the lens of slavery mm -hmm. as the start. The start was going to be the Ghanaian empire. Mm -hmm. The start was going to be the kingdoms of different African nations, right? And the Middle East and Egypt and all of these places. So when we get to the early colonial period in American history. Mm -hmm. They are going to know that the men and women who were brought over yeah, on these exactly. ships they totally were stolen were. Yes, from yes, their yes, land yeah. and that they were educators, teachers, artists, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and that there was this identity mm -hmm. that existed yeah. before this. So it's subtle mm -hmm. in a sense, but it's intentional and I think it's powerful to teach them. Absolutely. You know, I want Absolutely. them looking up to people of all backgrounds, right? And and so then we get into, I mean, they know mm. MLK and they know, and actually my son uh, wanted to come on my podcast. And okay. so I let him come on my podcast. Sure. I think it was before I changed the name. And I'm like, and we were just riffing. He's eight at the time. Mm -hmm. I'm like, 
so uh, do you know what racism is? You know, and, mm-hmm. and he's talking about what racism is and who are people that are right, important to him. Right. And so it was really interesting. Exactly. I'm raising two white boys, right? They're going to grow into men. And so I look That's at them yeah. and I'm, you know, like that is a huge responsibility. And then the extended family and friends and stuff. I think that um, I have definitely experienced huh. ghosting wow. in a, in a really? big way from a number of people, friends, family, et cetera. Oh, man. I mean, the fallout is significant. I mean, I've had, you know, I've had people unfollow me. I've had people unfriend me. Mm. I've had people go radio silent. And I mean, on Facebook, I share things, but I have largely kept my podcast identity separate from my personal identity, but I'm proud of it. And I share it and I have it on my, you know, list of things. And I definitely talk about racism and and share these different things, but it has been very eye opening, you know, like, like as a, as a white woman, I don't experience racism and I'll never experience racism, right? Like I can put Mm -hmm. myself into this day in and day out, but when I walk out the front door, I'm a white woman. And so with that comes a certain, Mm -hmm. um, air of, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. whatever, you know, people like to call it privilege. Um, I know some people are moving away from that term and I am comfortable with that because I think the idea mm-hmm. of, privilege, you know, right, my right. gain mm-hmm. at somebody else's loss shouldn't be called a privilege. Yeah. Right. But if people want to use the mm-hmm. word for sure, use it, you know, like into semantics a little bit there. Um, But yeah, Mm. I've definitely learned. I remember the first time I was so excited because I was doing this dinner party and I really felt uh, like I had been put on this path. And so I shared with a number of people, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have this dinner party and we're going to talk about (laughs) anti-racism. And the room went silent. What does happen? And what? Yeah, and I was like, what's going on, nope. guys? You know, because I'm like, no. la, la, no. la, wouldn't everybody want to, <laughs> you know, be interested in this? No. So I learned that very quickly. Oh. And actually that night was like, it was a blow. Huh. I felt heavy. I woke up the next morning just feeling really heavy. <laughs> and I read a book. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm going to sound totally okay. cliche here. <laughs> yeah. But I read a book by Brené Brown uh-huh. called Braving the Wilderness. Literally like two wilderness. days later, yeah. and it was a it's godsend a because mm-hmm. I realized what I was doing was breaking the wilderness. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, so yeah. So it's all mm-hmm. about braving the wilderness. Um, you are an activist. You're a cyber activist, and that's good because that's where we are today. You know what I'm saying? Like when you ha- when you're able to, you know, when once you're if you're able to take it yeah, elsewhere yeah. and, you know, you're able to do more work in the community, so be it, in, you know, in a physical sense. But I think that the platform that you're, you're practicing is actually perfect because that's, you know, it's at, it's at people's fingertips and you probably can reach more people this way. So it's amazing, you know, in terms of like just doing the work and everything that you're doing. And, and uh, I know my black friends would be like, don't be thanking her because, you know, but honestly, I, you know, listen, cause I'm so not the black person that right? I'm not militant <laughs> at all by any means. Like, I just think that we're a, a, you know, we're a human race and it's one race. I know that there's black, there's all the races, but we're a human race. Right. And so mm-hmm. it ha we have to start somewhere, you know, 
And I just don't believe all white people are racist. And I don't believe that, you know, all black people are, you know, criminals and whatever. So I think we have to start somewhere. Yeah, it's it's interesting because. For me, Mm. I think that all white people are racist in this sense. It's, it's not like this active conscious racist, like you are a racist, right? But I think that because we live and benefit, uh, within a system that is structurally racist at its core, that we all take part in that system. So I will say, and people disagree. You know, some people disagree, but I will say, like, I'm racist. racist. Uh, And I think all white people are racist. But I mean it. Yeah, I mean it in a different way. Right. Like, I don't mean it in this active conscious. But if you think of just unconscious bias and and there was this statement that was um, going Mm. around. I don't know if you saw Mm. it. It said racism isn't the shark. It's the water. And to me, that is profound, because as a woman who has been Mm -hmm. actively dismantling and deconstructing racism in myself and, and implicit bias and all mm. of these things, I realize how I woven was, it is. I was is just in thinking that. Yeah. You know, if you think mm-hmm. of messaging in media and you think of like, yeah, you know, so I'm more comfortable with this idea that racism is something that should be connected to all people because they don't get like, cause my, I guess my concern is if we, if we say not everybody is, then all the good, well-meaning white people out there are going to be like, well, I'm not, I'm one of those good people mm-hmm. because they, they consider racism like mm-hmm. this good, bad, you know, if you're good, you can't be racist. If you're bad, you're racist. And so if I'm not bad, I'm not racist. Right. Like I think there's, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot around that. And then that gotcha. makes people pass gotcha. because they I don't think, point. well, mm-hmm. there's nothing I need yeah. to do because I'm fine. I love all people. Right. So that's kind of where I'm at. But, but like you said, like, yeah. you know, some but black you know, people are going to hear you they saying will thank be you like, and be like, don't yeah. thank her, you know, Absolutely. like, I because totally here, at the end of the day, though, like, right? but I also understand what you're saying. I, I, yeah. Yeah, like, thank you. It's got to start somewhere, you know, we have to start somewhere. And so, the fact that um, it's not, you know, and they'll look sure, at it sure. as, gosh, you're bowing down to her by saying thank you. This is what they should be doing anyway, you know, and all this other stuff. And I just don't, and I don't know if it's because of my, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles and mm-hmm. Los Angeles is a melting pot. So the Midwest is a little more segregated. So I don't have the same mentality as the black people that I'm around. And so you just actually enlightened me in terms of like, nope. Yeah. There, and I see your point. Why, there is a level of racism in every white person. And I guess it's from a sense it's, but it's from a, I don't want to use the word innocent, but maybe from an ignorant standpoint, right? So you just don't know, like, it, it's going to be interesting with you, yeah. you know, living in Detroit and your kids are getting older, you know, and then they got some black guy friends and, you know, cause you can't ride for deep in a car with black guys. You just can't. So what do you say to your boys? Like, do you say, boys, you mm. ride and you're two, you know, you ride together and then let your black friends, because you just can't. You cannot. Have you had that conversation with them? Or do you even know? Have you tapped into that yet? Mm. 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 I haven't 
even thought about oh yeah okay gotcha in part well girl let me let me tell you now honey let me get you started (laughs) early so because you live in detroit and it's 85 percent black community your kids are going bound to have black friends it's just gonna happen Right. So the thing is, and that's cool. Here's the thing. Yeah. Four deep in a car with black men. That's not good. Racial profiling is real. So that's a thing. So it it could become very dangerous for them because not to say that all cops are bad. However, police brutality is real. So and it can go left really fast. And that those are the things that we have to think about. Right. Right. So that's another element Mm -hmm. that, you know, as black people, like we have to think about Mm -hmm. as black mothers and fathers who have sons. Um, I have all girls, but I listen to my friends who have sons and they literally talk about the other conversation. Okay. Sex and all of that and, and put the condom on and all that. The other conversation is, and don't, you know, listen, don't be riding four deep with your friends in a car. You guys split that up. Because that's a real thing. It's a concern. We, we have to. It's life-threatening if mm. they do that. Hey, guys. This is April. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode with Jennifer Kinney. Up next, I'll be interviewing Naima Malachi, who's a social psychologist with a clinical background. You definitely want to tune in. Um, you know that I'm a huge advocate for um, going to therapy, as I am definitely one that I attend therapy on a regular, I think it's definitely essential for us as a community to um, just get you some help, you know, so she's going to touch on some really interesting topics. And so this is an episode you definitely don't want to miss. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe.